Well, amen, and good morning. We're so glad you're with us. And um, it is Mother's Day, so I'll say hi, Mom. She'll probably get that message on Tuesday or so, but, um, but we're glad that you're with us. Um, and, and we've been in this series on hospitality, which is this is perfect synthesis, right? Um, who, who makes us feel more welcome than moms? And, um, but but we've, uh, we've been talking about barriers, actually, that we set up to hospitality and to feeling welcome. And, and, and in our body, how do we, how do we go about um, being hospitable, welcoming others and those on the outside? And, um, and, we're, and today we're going to share some stories from our body. We're going to get very practical. What does it look like? To, uh, to, to practice hospitality. And when we say the word hospitality, you may have even images that come to mind. There may be hugs and handshakes and other things. But, but without a doubt, one of the images that comes up when we think hospitality is the image of, of, of food and shared food. Um, that's not by accident. Through, throughout the history of humanity, um, the shared meal has been a, a big part of hospitality. Um, and, and, and so much so that, that when, uh, in, in the, with the ancient people, and we see this in the Old Testament, that it was an ultimate sign of welcoming someone in when you prepared a meal and shared it with them. Because the preparation of a meal was, was no small thing. Um, you know, we, we'll, we'll hear some stories today, and I think about it now, but in our world, sharing a meal is something, but it's not quite as difficult or as challenging as it may have been in ancient days when it involved the actual, like, potential slaughter of, of, of the protein, or it involved, like, the, the rising of the bread to have at that meal that took these lengths of time. And so when we talk about what, what um, hospitality and the shared meal, it's, it's no doubt that in the scriptures, like, sh- a sharing of a meal is, is, a, is a sign of, um, of hospitality. And, and um, with that in mind, we want to look at, uh, remind you of a couple things that we talked about. And the first is this, this word from Henry Nouwen, who, who gave us an understanding of what hospitality, how it can be understood. When he said that, that hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where a stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality itself is not to change people. We don't do it to change people. But we offer a space where change can take place. We welcome others into, into a space where change can take place. It's not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not to be disturbed by dividing lines. Hospitality says that no matter like, what might divide us, we're going to come together as friends. And we actually see this image um, last, last week, our, our, Armando, our, our friend Armando, a part of our body, did such a great job sharing with us about the importance of authenticity in our, in our love for one another and, and in our hospitality. And, and, and he, he shared from the very beginning, it's not good for, for man, it's not for mankind to be alone. We weren't meant for this. And, and the fascinating thing to me as well is if we go to the very end of God's story, he shared that from Genesis, if we go to the very end of God's story, in, in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus it, 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 uh, uh, says this to the, to, to the churches, the message to the churches in, in John's Revelation. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, in, in to him and eat with him and he with me. Do you see this imagery? It's beginning and end. It's not good for us to be alone. And the end of, of the story is, is Jesus asking, will you be hospitable to me? Will you invite me in? Will you allow me to come in and, and eat with you? And, and as, we, as we take time, we want to we pause and say that the, the, the mission of hospitality 
is not just like a, a, a kind and humanitarian thing to do. The mission of hospitality is, is woven into the very fabric of the gospel, what it means to, to live and walk with, with our Savior. It means that we have, he, we have been welcomed into a relationship with him, and we reciprocate by welcoming others into relationship. And this picture is all throughout the scriptures. And so what we're going to do with our time this morning is we're going we're gonna to share some stories from people in our body who live this out, who practice it. Um, th- and, and so the first person that, that's here, he's here with us. Is, this is Rich. Um, and, and Rich is... Um, uh, he's going he's gonna to share some thoughts with us just about the ways that he lives out hospitality. I know Rich to be an extremely hospitable individual. He, he loves and cares for his neighbors in, in ways that, uh, that are deep and rich and meaningful, um, and little pun there. Um, but but, but um, I just asked, invited Rich today to share, like, what, how, how are you living out hospitality? And Rich didn't come looking for this. We came looking for Rich because we know this is true about him. So, so, Rich, tell us, you know, what does it look like for you to live with hospitality in your world? Well, actually, um, hospitality had a lot to do with me coming to the Lord in the first place. Uh, my first couple weeks of college, the Lord planted me uh, in the cafeteria line with a young believer who, uh, you know, invited himself to have dinner with me. And he shared with me how Christ had made a difference in his life, and I had never heard that before. I'd gone to church all my life. It was a liberal church that didn't use the Bible much. And uh, Tom shared with me how Jesus Christ had made a difference in his life. I started listening. And a few weeks later, I asked Christ into my heart. And, And one of the first things that the Lord changed in me was he took me from, he delivered me from that fear of strangers to someone who was reaching out to strangers. And um, by the end of that quarter, I was known in my dorm as the Jesus freak because I was this long-haired kid that was talking to people about Jesus. Um, There's other things. All of us have things that uh, uh, take longer for the Lord to heal us from. Uh, but that was one that he healed quickly. Um, later on, uh, um, you know, I was introducing myself to other people in the cafeteria line and getting to share with them about the Lord, um, doing hospitality that way. And then when I started working, uh, I didn't have a car, I rode the bus. Well, I'd talk to the strangers on the bus and got to share with them about the Lord. Uh made friends with people on the bus. I went running with them and did things with them. Um, that's how I was meeting people when I was first here in Columbus. Um, and then going on, when uh, Joyce and I got married and started, we had kids and they got involved in school, especially when they got involved in, in sports, um, that's an easy way to get to know people. Um, you know, when you go to the, their activities, you know, whether it's soccer or um, track, whatever the kids are doing, gymnastics, you, you get talking to the other parents. And then 
it's easy to well do something after the game or before the game, and um, it it it's the beginning of relationships, and some of those relationships have lasted long after uh, the kids have graduated. Um, and we've gotten to, you know, some of those folks we've been, uh, we've done Bible studies with. Um, so the Lord used that quite a bit. And, um, you know, recently, now that our kids are gone, um, I, I've transitioned into, um, since I have more free time, I've transitioned into keeping an eye out in the neighborhood, looking for people that are working on projects, you know, if I, if I see a dumpster or in front of a house or, you know, something being delivered that looks like parts for something new, I go and knock on the door and see if they need some help. Um, I like working on projects like that, and uh, the Lord's used that to help me get to know some of these folks and, and get to share with them. Um, uh, we have quite a few elderly folks in the neighborhood that aren't quite up to shoveling snow. So I'm the guy who gets out and shovels their snow, and they're very grateful for that. And then conversations come out of that. Um, you know, dumb little things that open the door to relationships. Um, yeah. And, and you know, no, those are not – Rich talks about these things as if they're just sort of natural little things. Um, and And – I want to, like, commend you to our body for being the type of person who's intentional about these things because the reality is, like, and what I'm hearing in Rich is that there's, there's, there's conscious choices that are made along the way that for Rich have become just sort of natural or secondhand. Like, I engage those around me. My natural bent, my natural tendency is to sit to myself, to mind my own business, and to keep my distance from others. But hospitality, just like the, that definition we looked at, hospitality creates space. It just creates space for us to live life with those around us. And then as we live in that space, as we move into that space, it opens opportunities for us to have meaningful conversation with them about, about things that matter the most. And, and for those of us who walk with Christ, that is our relationship with him. And so, so I, I want to thank Rich for sharing with us. And we're going to hear again, we're going to hear a, a story now from someone in our body who, who has done this in a particular area with, with a particular group that's a part of their life. So go ahead and listen to Ann Morgan's story. Hello, thank my you. name is Ann Morgan Kruger, and I wanted to share a little bit about my experiences with hospitality um, in the hopes that it would encourage you. So I thought what I would do is share um, kind of how I was previously and then my experience with hospitality and then kind of how I am now um, and then maybe some practical ways you can live that out so um, uh, we used to live in a house that was like 80 years old and right now I have five kids at that time we had like three or four kids and they were small and it just felt like my house was always a mess and it was a lot of effort and um, it was just it felt hard to have people over I'm a terrible cook um, so that was effort um, and it some people I just kind of feel like it comes naturally to them and um, they effortlessly make things from scratch um, I kind of think a box brownie mix is making something from scratch um, so I just felt like I probably didn't have the gift of hospitality um, and, and it was easier that way 
and um, I had several experiences where people um, were so welcoming and gracious and wonderful to us. Um, one specific example I think of, uh, we have friends that we've been friends with since college, uh, the Tenorovichs, and they welcomed our family of seven all the way up to their house. They um, just put so much love into everything they did when we were with them, um, from having things prepped ahead of time meal-wise and um, having beds, you know, ready for us and sleeping bags. And, and they were so warm and gracious and hospitable uh, that it just, uh, it made me want to be more like that. And specifically, I remember I was pregnant with Molly at the time and I was starving and, and we hadn't told our kids we were pregnant yet. We hadn't told our parents, we hadn't told anybody, but I just felt horrible. And so I knew at her house, I could just go in and not ask and I could just rummage through her drawers and, and get food um, if I needed a granola bar or something like that. Like I knew I didn't have to explain and I knew that she wouldn't think twice and she wouldn't think to herself, oh, I was saving that. Oh, why are you, you know, like, like she just has such a way of being so warm and gracious and welcoming. And, um, and it made me kind of say, I want to be a lot more like that. I want when kids come to my house for them to know, help yourself. You know, I, I've been excited for you to come and I, I made brownies for you or because that's about all I can do. Um, and, and, you know, people could, could come and, and not feel like, oh crud, did I sit on the wrong couch or did I forget to take my shoes off? And, and that kind of environment can make a person feel uncomfortable. And I just didn't want that. Um, especially because we have a lot of teenagers and teenagers at our house. So, um, so anyway, so that's how I was before when I was struggling Robin's example. And then, um, for me now we have, um, built a house that we intentionally built to welcome people. And we kind of created the layout and, um, and, and really designed it. So for the next 20 years of raising teenagers, we will be able to host people that God can use it for his purposes. Um, that, uh, you know, whenever we have the soccer team over or the cross country team or, um, you know, whatever, that it can be a place everyone can feel welcome and loved. And I think Monica explained it beautifully and I'm not going to do it justice, but she talked about, um, you know, hospitality is being welcomed and accepted as you are and feeling safe. And, and I'm hitting on the highlights, but I'm not saying it as well as she did. Uh, but anyway, I, I just really appreciate that because, um, the teenage years can be especially hard and, um, kind of isolating, kind of you know, finding out who you are. And I really have developed uh, a heart for teens that that I don't know if I had when I was so absorbed with trying to care for little ones. Um, but I I really, um, I feel like, like the time you invest in other people is, is eternal and it has eternal value and it is never wasted. Um, not a single brownie you make or hot dog you serve or um, you know, pizza you order it is wasted for the kingdom when it is given with love. Um, so yeah, so the last thing I said I would hit on would be like practical ways. Um, and so for me, we're usually running a ton to different sporting events. So I usually will grab somebody's kid and say, Hey, you know, if we're going here, we'll take you in our car and we try and make it fun and, um, gives my kids time with friends. I try and, 
um, you know, grab ice cream or honestly, I just try and keep my house stocked with frozen pizza at all times so that if they're teenagers and it's late, they can eat. Um, I try to always have extra lunch meat and cheese so I can make a sandwich for somebody um, if they didn't get to eat dinner. Um, I try and have just like grab and go stuff. And honestly, I've been so blessed. I've had people kind of do that for us too, where they've handed me a bag of apples and said, hey, I bet you guys didn't have a chance to eat today. And I'm like, I don't know how they knew, but yes, you're right. So I think, you know, hospitality, part of it is watching examples from others and, and kind of copying that and saying, gosh, I really felt loved when somebody thought of me and, and, and did this for me. And so I, um, I'm con constantly taking notes from people who are a lot more hospitable than I am. Uh, but I do feel like God is growing me in this area and teaching me every day. And I'm so, um, so grateful for that. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we read Leviticus 19 and loving your neighbor as yourself. And one of the practices that's tied to that is this idea of, of not harvesting like 100% of your fields, but leaving some margin for others. And I, I think like having frozen pizza in the freezer is leaving some margin for others, right? And, and having like some to-go snacks that you can hand over is leaving some margin for others, like intentionally doing that to, to, to offer them that gift. So we have with us now a, a, a friend who's newer to Life Community Church. This is John Wells. And um, John, I'm just going to ask you to tell everybody like your journey, where you came from and then coming to LCC and how, how, what that's been like for you when it comes to this issue of hospitality. You have some thoughts there. All right. Uh, so originally, I travel a lot for work. Uh, I've moved around a few different states, uh, and in those states, I've moved around to a few different cities. So I think I usually joke when I come to a place, I've been to a lot of different churches. Uh, I, so I've gotten pretty well versed in trying churches out and jumping around from place to place. So I moved from city to city, and I've always you know, tried to find a church to belong to. And sometimes that's gone well for me, and sometimes that's gone not so well for me. I won't get into the specifics on that. Uh, and that, as we traveled, um, we came down to Columbus, and my job finally got more cemented working in the state legislature. Not as much in the political sphere, which was nice. Uh, unfortunately, we moved in here at March last year, uh, and if all of you are familiar, right, we moved to the weekend right when everything shut down. So we moved that Friday, and Saturday is when the order came and everything just shut down. So we were looking for a church, but obviously most churches had shut down and were waiting to see what was going to happen. A couple weeks later, we ended up seeing a few like posts and things. And I, you know, I was researching, and we found Life Community Church online. So I was watching a few around June, and I actually checked the dates on this. The first service we went to was at the end of July, and it was the informational service that was like about membership and cell okay. groups. It was all about cell groups. Okay. And I actually remember the service pretty well because uh, Monica came up here. And I don't see Monica. She's right there. <laughs> and I remember because she was talking about how this church is different because it will the people here will pursue you. And I remember my wife looked at me a little scared and was like, <laughs> do you want to do this? Are, are you sure? And I was like, uh, we'll give it a test. I mean, we can always try somewhere else. I mean, we're only here for one week. And, you know, here we are. Uh, oh, it's almost been a year now. And, I mean, I cannot imagine, you know, my life without my cell group now, which I see most of them back there, and it's just been a, it's been a very 
cool and very different experience from a lot of churches I've been to. Yeah, people created some space for you and your wife. And then some, but yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you also have this sort of unique uh, nine to five experience, if I can call it that, um, where you're, you're wrestling with a lot of different constituent groups and and it's part of your job to make space for people, even people who are very passionately or strongly disagree with, with you or something that, that's happened in the state legislature. So you, I know you have some thoughts there too about how we, we take this, it's, it's true in the church body, but it's also something that's true that, that emanates out from there when we're hospitable with others and how we live that. And, and would you even share a little bit of our body about that? Yeah, I mean, with my line of work, I mean, I get phone calls from constituents, from lobbyists, I know that's a dirty word for most people, um, just from <laughs> interest groups about state policy. And I know everyone talks about politics around their kitchen table, but when it happens at my office, it affects bill language, it affects state policy. So people get a little more passionate around that area, and people get angry, people get upset. And when it comes to those things, you have to, you know, even when you disagree with people, I, you know, you have to keep an open mind to listen to people. And especially of constituents, and I, I tell a lot of people this, sometimes people will call the office, and they'll call, and they might seem upset, but they're not upset. They just want someone to talk to. And I, and I have to remind myself, even if I disagree with them or I don't understand, that sometimes it's someone who lives at home by themselves, and I'm the one person they're going to talk to that day. I might be the one person they talk to that week. And my interaction with them affects how they're going to see everyone else. And if I decide to be mean and cut them off and hang up the phone, that's how they're going to view everyone else, and that's how they're going to view how people are going to treat them. Yeah, so oftentimes we find ourselves in spots where our interaction engagement with others is a representative of the whole, and we as believers, of, of our Savior. And, and, and it's, it's real. Like, we can, we can dismiss it, but it's a reality. And so, John, thank you for sharing with us, and thank you for your work and, and for what you do. And, and um, yeah, we, we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, next, we're going to hear a story from, uh, you know, we've talked about some practical things that, that are just kind of part of the, the by the by, like just a, as, as you, we go about our life. But what happens when, when we're led to, to take a step of hospitality that's more invasive into our life, that it, 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 it has greater consequence than sort of the, the, the momentary or the day-to-day, -day, but it could cause really significant shifts and changes in the way that, that, that our life is structured. And so we're going to hear a story from uh, Heather Luttrell. Heather has been a part of our body for a long time, um, but she, she serves in, in faithfully around here, and, but it, often in places that don't put her up front. But she's got a story to, to, to tell us about, about a drastic move that she made that involved this issue of hospitality. So listen in on her. Hey, LCC, I'm Heather, and one of the ways that hospitality has really impacted my life is through foster care. Um, a few years ago, I really felt the Lord calling me to foster care, and I ended up taking the steps to become a foster parent. Um, of course, foster care deals with uh, opening your heart and your home to kids who have been removed from their biological parents or whoever they happen to live with prior. Um, one aspect I think about foster care that's often missed is I think foster care isn't just about caring for the children. Um, it's also about caring for and loving the parents. Um, <clears throat> I think as Christians, it's a really neat opportunity that we get to, to witness to them. 
and to show them the grace and love and the redemption that we have through Christ. Um, it's definitely not always an easy thing to do. And um, I think it's our human nature to, to point fingers and, and to judge, um, especially since their children were removed from them for whatever reason. Um, it's easy to sit back and say, you know, they, they don't deserve to get their children back because they were taken from them in the first place. Um, <clears throat> I think as humans, that's, that's a really, um, a really common reaction. And, um, it's one that I've been told a lot by both believers and, and non-believers that, uh, the parents don't deserve a second chance. Um, but when you look at it, especially from the, a Christian perspective and from the perspective of what Jesus did for us, um, he offers that redemption, and he offers us a second, and third, and fiftieth, and a hundredth chance uh, every day, um, because we fall short every day. We need forgiveness every day, and um, I think it's important that we don't lose sight of that, um, even in situations like foster care, and when we're just dealing with a lot of brokenness. Um, <clears throat> I think it's a, I think foster care is a really beautiful way that. The Lord uses broken people to care for broken people. Um, the children are broken. Their lives were completely upended when they were removed. And the parents' lives are broken. They were broken to begin with, and that's why the children were removed. And then I can't imagine um, what that must feel like to have your own flesh and blood removed from you and from your care. Um, so, um, yeah, the Lord calls us to, to hard places. And foster care is definitely one of those hard places. Um, but it's also a beautiful place, <clears throat> and it's it's worth it. Um, so to kind of wrap this up, um, May is Foster Care Awareness Month. And some ways that um, the church body can help show um, love and grace and compassion and, and hospitality to the foster care world, um, there's a lot of things. It's um, things from babysitting to making a meal to becoming licensed, <clears throat> excuse me, licensed to provide respite care, um, to prayer. Um, everyone in the foster care world needs prayer, whether it's the, the, the kids, the kids need a lot of prayer. They need, they need a lot of healing. Um, the kids need prayer. The parents, the biological parents and the foster kids, the parents need prayer. The judges, the consultants, the counselors, the guardians at Lightham, um, everybody needs prayer. So, um, if, if that's what you can do to help, please, please pray. Um, but in addition to, in addition to that, um, there are several agencies whose sole purpose is just to support foster parents and, um, and foster kids. So getting behind them, is, uh, that's a really great thing to do. Um, as well as, um, there are a lot of appointments for foster kids, so even just accompanying a foster parent and the kids to, um, to appointments, that can be a really big help. Um, encouragement to let people know that they are doing a good job and that, um, that you support them and um, just offer yourself and see how you can help. Um, foster care is a big task. It's not easy. Um, but, uh, you know, I think everybody can do something. Not everyone is called to foster, but everybody can definitely do something. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we've spent time in this series looking at, at you know, the, the, the judgment time. That was our passage a couple weeks ago. And 
you know, Lord, when did I, when were you naked and I clothed you? And when were you hungry and I fed you? And I hear Heather's story and I think, like, she was caring for Christ in those moments with those children. Um, and, and we have opportunities to, to support and to come alongside those who do that kind of work. Um, it, it's, it's, it's part of the, the mission and the message of hospitality. Um, we, we, we talk about this subject, and it's really easy for us to sort of say, I'm just not hospitable, okay? And I know someone who has said that before. Um, I'll let him introduce himself to you, <laughs> but, but I know him to be otherwise, okay? So this is, this is Clay Davis, um, and Clay, tell us a little bit about, you just, you just feel like you, quote unquote, don't have the gift of hospitality, this is true. Um, I am a man of strong opinions uh, about most things. Um, I don't really have what I've been told are called feelings. And so it's often difficult for me to um, respect the fact that other people do and that I ought to um, take those into account in some way. So, yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> but... Um, I'm not alone around here as someone who knows you differently as well. Um, and so the Lord has done work in your life, particularly in this, this area, you would say. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I, I think as I was thinking about this chat, uh, there were two things that kind of came to the forefront. Um, the first is the aforementioned strong opinions. Um, I think for someone like myself, who may or may not be a sociopath, we're missing the, uh, the emotions, um, the, the, the strong opinions, uh, particularly in the times in which we live, um, are, are something that, um, it's almost like catnip or something, you know? And uh, uh, so for me personally, um, kind of that gentle warming or softening, I think over the years that, that it took a while to kind of recognize was the Lord really working on my heart in, um, holding those a little bit more loosely as it relates to how I relate to other people, uh, both inside and outside the body. Um, I think we are impulsively and instinctively, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, sometimes just efficiency, trying to quickly ascertain who the other person is so that we can categorize them and, and figure out what we, how we need to react and what we need to do and um, whether or not they're in our tribe or on our team or whatever the situation is. And um, and live our lives more efficiently, or sometimes because we're in, you know, attack mode or whatever it might be. And I, I, I've, I've gotten to a spot, I hope, uh, sometimes it's a challenge. Um, don't get me started on goat cheese lovers. That's a whole other <laughs> topic. I don't know, I will not abide any goat cheese. Um, it, it's difficult to, uh, to, to prioritize how you view people. And so the, the, um, the, the thing that, that has really been impressed upon me is that, you know, we, we, that, that other person is a human being first, an image bearer first. Um, in a lot of situations, they're a fellow believer, they're a member of the body, and then kind of everything else second. And it's a very difficult thing to maintain in our, uh, in our culture, <laughs> especially recently. Um, and especially if you're a, a person like me who does have strong opinions and deeply held beliefs and things like that, that I'm fully ready and, and, and in instinctively ready to fight you on, um, to, to be able to set those things aside and say that's not really um, what we ought to be doing and how we ought to be treating one another. And before, you're going to say more, but yeah. 
have you found that, I think I know the answer to this, and I didn't prep you on this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, have you found that you have to hold your opinions or thoughts like any less strongly in order to be hospitable and agreeable with people? No, no, not at all. I think um, that's right. That's that's a myth. That if yeah. I'm going to be hospitable, I have to just sort of become milk toast and right, right. Yeah, I really like the definition, um, and I was struggling to recite it in cell group <laughs> last week. I got the first phrase, <laughs> and then I was like, "Does anybody else have the rest of this?" No one else could remember what it was. Um, but I, I like the end of it. Um, I, I like the idea of providing space. There we go. Um, of uh, providing space um, to offer the freedom not to be disturbed by dividing lines. Um, I really like that phrasing in that it's not that there aren't things that divide us, and it's not that there aren't opinions that will divide us and deeply held beliefs and things of that nature, um, but they don't have to disturb all of our interactions. They don't have to be the hills that we die on. They don't have to be the very first label that I apply to someone and then treat them accordingly. Yeah. Um, you said there were two things you oh, wanted to yeah, share. Oh, yes, sorry, I mean, second I, thing. I cut you off. Um, I'm getting old, if that wasn't apparent by my appearance. Um, and the graying hair, which is one of the reasons I keep it short. You can't see it as much when it's short. Um, someday, maybe that short, I don't know. Um, but one of the things that has been impressed upon my wife and I as, as that occurs, um, and this doesn't necessarily have to be an age-related thing, but it, ha it was for us in that our children have, have kind of, they're getting older. We have one in college and one in high school. And um, was that idea of, of space and um, providing space and, and it, it occurred to us, or I, sh I should say was impressed upon us um, not that long ago, that, that we have space, we have margin, we have capacity, um, and that might be physical space, it might be space in our schedules, it might be space in our calendars, but that we have space available and that we ought to make use of that as stewards of it and provide that space without dividing lines for other people. Um, and that that, I never really thought of it as hospitality, it's just not, doesn't process for me that way. Um, but maybe it was more of like a resource thought or something like that, but that's, that's the other uh, side yeah. to that that I've been yeah, impressed upon recently. And that's what it is, uh, right? Is it, um, it's, very, it's very easy for us to sleepwalk through our days and to see others around us at, at worst as impediments to our happiness and efficiency, um, but most often we just see them as, you know, them over there, you know, we, we don't give much thought to them at all. And, and the, the hospitality that we're called to in the scriptures is a hospitality of intention. If we've heard one thing in these stories this morning, it's, it's that there's, there, there's an intention on our part, an intentionality to say, God, what have you given me that I can use for the benefit of others? And, and sometimes it may just be a kind word. But it also may be opening my home to children in need, or it may be opening my home to teens who need a place to gather that's safe. It may be that, that, that there are resources that I have that, that, that no one else can provide to, to others. And, and we do that. It's, it's the mission of loving my neighbor as myself. Um, I want to say thanks to Clay. And to wrap up, we're going to look at um, just one last verse. It's this really interesting um, it's a couple verses in Hebrews. Um, and look at what it says here. It says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. An idea that we haven't had enough time to explore, but probably should have, and, um, is this idea of family. And family for us can get so loaded. 
Um, we don't always think of family in the fondest terms, but, but it is the picture that's used throughout the scriptures to, to tell us and to explain to us what it means to live life together in the church, that we're invited into a new family, and we love one another as brothers and sisters. It doesn't mean we always agree. It doesn't mean we always get along, but it does mean that we always love. We always love. But then that second verse, this, this you know, I kind of grew up hearing this a lot. And, but, but this thought, don't, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Like, don't forget this. And this is, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I think that's a reference even to the Old Testament, um, to, to stories where they were, they were hosting angels and they were unaware of it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to quibble with the author of Hebrews on this, but here's the thing, even if it's not angels, even if all we're entertaining is another person, that person is made in God's image. That person bears his image, and they are the closest thing to holiness that we're going to experience that day because they're made in God's image. And so don't forget to show hospitality. Don't forget to show kindness. Continue, he says in verse 3, to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. Fellow prisoners, put yourself in their spot. Try to to embody what it means for them to live in wherever they are and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Not just those who it's easy to welcome in, not just those who are going to keep things in my life clean and tidy and organized and, and the way that I like them. But show hospitality, love like brothers and sisters. That's the, that's the, the mission. We're going we're gonna to transition today with, with one last song. Um, but, but we're also, as a body, going to transition into a passage of Scripture in the book of Ruth over the next month. And, and we're going to continue this conversation of hospitality as a part of, of that passage of Scripture. What does it mean to, to welcome the outsider? What does it mean to, to intentionally make space for someone who, who, quite frankly, doesn't belong where they are? Um, and those are huge ideas for us to wrestle with and continue to grapple with. But let me pray for us as we, as we wrap up this morning and, and uh, sing one last song together. Father, we, we just thank you for welcoming us into your family. Um, and not in any way because we deserved it or earned it or you um, you just had to have us, but because you love. And that love shows up in welcoming us to be with you. And um, we thank you for doing it, and we thank you for also giving us the model to follow. God, would you be with us as we, um, as we, we try to live the, the welcoming, space-making um, undivided, loving hospitality that you have been and continue to be for us. And um, we thank you for your words and we thank you for this body, for people who, who live this, people who, who are making margin on the edges of their fields. Um, 
and we ask that you would prompt us to do the same, that you would, you would show us what it is that we can do to, uh, to, to offer your love and grace and kindness to the stranger. And we pray all of this in thankfulness for you and your grace, and in Christ's name, amen.